Hello, and welcome to episode 153 of Random Encounter, the RPG Fan Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Hemsbergen. I'm Embryonics on Twitter. That's at E-M-B-R-Y-O-N-X. And today I am joined by she with the fluffiest hair, Alana Higgs. Hello, everyone. I'm Alana Higgs on Twitter. Lovely to be here. Glad to have you as always. And uh, the further end of the British spectrum, well, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. Another person who doesn't live in America, Robert Fenner, everybody. Well, hello, folks. It's me. That's definitely how you sound normally. <laughs> that's, that's right, everybody. I'm here to record a really good show. You sure are. And um, if I wanted to hear you talking weirdly on Twitter, where would I find you? Uh, I'm at Misanthrobob, always causing a ruckus. You sure are. Stay out of the menchies, folks. It gets, <laughs> it gets wild in there. Stay in the DMs. <laughs> Stay in the DMs. And finally, we've got my lovely and talented Canadian co-host, Greg Delmage. Hi, everybody. I go by at Greg Delmage on Twitter. So you sure do. You can find me doing stuff. Yeah, and we can also find you doing stuff in a video game, right? I don't remember if we talked about the fact that uh, you did something and that is no longer under embargo. Did we? I think we, I can't remember if we mentioned in the last podcast or not, or if I hadn't gotten time to. But just in case, I'm in FIFA. People can Hell find me yeah. in the, the FIFA journey uh, for those of you who play the sports games. Uh, that's where I can be found. You're uh, footing all as, the balls. As Kevin DeBrenne. Oh. Yeah. You have a sterling grasp of French pronunciation, just as I would expect of a Canadian. <laughs> well, it's weird. It's like, well, yeah, his weird, like, Belgian French accent is basically what got me the job because I had to be him. So that was fun. <laughs> oh, did you have to, like, mocap speaking? Yeah, it was the full performance capture. Like when you play through the game as either Alex Hunter or Danny, I forget Danny's last name. Uh, I in, as uh, Kevin DeBrenne, I interact with them in a couple scenes. Each, well, one scene each, and then I also play like a random director in like one of the scenes as well. Like I had a couple random things I did, but uh, amusingly enough, the guy who plays Danny also um, the show that my fiance and I met on production of Hamlet. He played Horatio in it, and then he. Um, had this gig on FIFA 18 and then they upgraded him and gave him like a full like role in FIFA 19. Nice. So it was kind of fun working with him again too. Yeah. Sounds like it. Small world. The tangled web of uh, entertainment. Right. So many ways to get in. Good night, sweet prince. <laughs> Good night, sweet prince. Well, I'm glad you to have everybody that. here. Uh, it's been a few weeks since our last episode. I take full responsibility for that. I'm going to give you the Rob Steinman spiel of, well, you know, I was busy with various things. I was busy with various things, but you know, we're, we're here and we're ready to talk some RPGs and maybe a little bit of non-RPG because it's our show and we get to do whatever the heck we want with it. Yeah. Yeah, so take that. Well, today I think I would like to start out talking about the sort of big surprise of the week in RPG land. Uh, we're going to get to a little bit of Super Smash Brothers chatter later just because there was a direct today that announced a couple of tertiary RPG related things. But I think the biggest all oh, the RPG of all, mechanics. Right, right. Mm -hmm. um, the thing that none of us <laughs> expected to happen this week was the follow-up to Undertale of sorts. So Toby Fox, creator of Undertale, made a couple of cryptic tweets earlier this week saying that people should check back to the Undertale Twitter account in 24 hours from the time of the first tweet. And uh, he blacked out the name of the account, and there were like some messages that were all just black bars. And so that led to a lot of wild speculation and theorizing and such. And uh, it turned out uh, that 24 hours after that initial tweet, he revealed something called Deltarune. If you went to deltarune.com, you would get a black screen with a few lines of text, sparse text that just said something to the effect of, 
Um, please uh, complete this survey if you have completed Undertale. And uh, you must accept responsibility for everything that happens from here on out. And what you do is it, it's an executable. You download it. It's kind of actually when you think about it, people were putting a lot of trust into Toby Fox to not, you know, like screw them over with computer viruses or whatever. Because it's just like this executable that if you try to run it, I tried to run it on Windows 10, and it comes up with like a Windows Defender thing that's like, are you sure you want to run this program? You don't you don't know the source or whatever. And that happened to me on Windows 8. Yeah. Right. And when you run the install, the only thing it says in the in the sort of introductory text section is just once again in all caps you must take responsibility for everything that happens from here on out so it's pretty ominous um it looked to be just a survey or something like that related to undertale maybe or people thought maybe it's a survey for his next game who knows but it's a program for some reason so you download it and uh wow it turned out to be quite a bit more than just a quick survey um we don't want to get too heavily into spoilers or anything but um sort of the nature of the discussion will spoil what Delta Rune is. So if you would prefer not to know that, I would say stop listening here, come back once you've downloaded it and played it, if you're an Undertale fan, or uh, if you don't care, then just listen up. So it turns out Delta Rune uh, is more than just a survey. It's actually a, a little game. Uh, I don't want to go too far into exactly what it is, but it starts out with like a, a little kind of character creation section before moving on into uh, like a fully fledged little RPG, what seems to be the follow-up to Undertale. And it is just going by the name Deltarune. Holy crap. <laughs> that, that's a bombshell just to release like, oh, here's a sequel to my critically acclaimed game. Just have fun. It's free. I just released it for no reason. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, so it seems like from what we can gather uh, based on the information available in the game, this is like a, some kind of a follow-up to Undertale. It has a lot of recurring characters. It's not really clear to me from playing through it exactly how connected it is because there are a little, there are a few things here and there where characters speak as if <clears throat> this is maybe like a parallel dimension or like another take on the Undertale world. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Excuse me, but uh, I'm like, yeah, I, I've been talking about it a bunch. Fenner, please. Uh I got the vibe from like the opening into where the game, the quote unquote game begins proper of like, it almost seemed like a little bit of a reaction to um, what a success Undertale was and what its fandom became. I got like kind of a Evangelion episode 26 vibe, you know, okay. of like um, for those who, who haven't seen that um, the original Evangelion series ended really controversially where it's going to be the big final battle with the angels, but then Shinji wakes up in a high school romantic comedy where like he's late for school and Ray Ayanami is late for school and she's running with toast in her mouth. <laughs> um, and like, that's kind of what's going on here. You're late for school and all these characters from undertale are like populating the town. Like um, notably, I noticed that um, uh, Undini was like a cop uh, <laughs> standing on the corner and then, I don't want to spoil too much, but a lot of characters, pretty much all the characters you see at the beginning of this game will be characters that you encountered in Undertale, but right. filling vastly different roles. Mm -hmm. So I guess one could take it as if, if you've beaten Undertale, you know, and got like a happy ending that this could be a continuation. But because, like I said, some of the, the characters, like the way that they're speaking or they sort of deny relationships that exist in the original game or something. So it's like, it does feel a little bit 
off. And I think that's on purpose to one, keep an element of mystery and two, to like, I don't know, maybe to use it as a springboard for doing unpredictable things. <clears throat> but mm. yeah, it's, um, it is a, it's more than just a, a little program. It's a, it's a fully fledged game. And I, I mean, I want to talk about it, but I really, it's only like a day old. So it's hard. Cause I know that, um, Robert, you haven't finished it yet. Greg, you haven't played it at all. I'll take that as a no. And then uh, Alana, did no, you yeah. go all the way through it? I did, yeah. So I'm in the same position as you, is that I'm bursting at the seams, but can't burst. It's yeah. frustrating. It is frustrating. <laughs> but uh, I will say, try your absolute hardest not to look up anything about Deltarune um, until you've experienced it, if you're an Undertale fan. And uh, play, play it blind as, as much as you can. I realize we've already talked a little bit about the fact that it is you know, like an interactive game, but... Um, play that, and then uh, maybe in a future episode, maybe next episode, maybe the one after, we can talk more in depth about it. And uh, they did release, there is a soundtrack accompaniment to this that was released this morning. Hmm. <laughs> Excuse me. So there's some really good tunes in there, and I highly recommend checking it out. It's uh, on Toby, Toby Fox's is band as camp. good as ever. Yep. Yep. <laughs> really? If you like Undertale. Now, there's a whole bunch of different releases. Like Undertale, Undertale is basically on everything. Is it mobile? I can't remember if it's mobile, though. Not mobile, but it did come out on Switch a few weeks ago. And I think that's probably where I'm going to hold out for it uh, when I eventually get the Switch around the holidays. I feel oh, like right, that you don't have be a the way yet. to go. I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, I wanted to do it for get into it for a while. I've heard so many good things about it, and I am the shamed for not having played it yet. But It's unmissable uh, and very short. Yeah, That's good. Yeah. I will hold off on all the spoilery stuff. Uh, but fun fact, some kid did dress up as Sans uh, at my child's school for Halloween. Oh, which really? entertaining to see. <laughs> oh, wow. Did they, have a, did they have a bad time? <laughs> I don't know. They seem to be in a, in a good way. But Very I feel like that's a reference that I don't know. So. Yeah. Uh, it's okay. I, um, I, yeah. No, I just like that he was wearing sandals in like the end of August. Uh, sorry, October. <laughs> yeah. On brand. <clears throat> when you're a skeleton, you don't get cold, I guess, right? right. Seems that way. Yeah, so Deltarune exists. Um, what a, what a surprise to just come out of nowhere to go from, you know, not really hearing anything about what Toby Fox might be up to next to finding out that he's been working on something. It turns out for years, um, he uploaded a screenshot on Twitter with some sort of like design doc type material about this Deltarune project that dates back to 2015. So oh, wow, okay. yeah. 20, 2012 actually. It was, was it? It was 2012. There were images of one of the characters from 2013, and then there were some files for 2012. So six years, apparently. Oh, my God. This is and where we find out that Undertale was the distraction and not the real thing. <laughs> and, yeah, which is just insane. And I and for Undertale to have achieved the success it did and then, you know, to go on to spawn this is just amazing. I, um, I think he's an incredibly talented artist. I do think that... You know, it's a shame. I feel like whenever something gets uh, sort of achieves a certain level of popularity, <clears throat> there is always pushback from a certain subset of sect of people who just don't like it when things are popular and or they don't like to engage in popular media. And mm -hmm. that's not to say everybody should like Undertale because it's not, you know, it's not going to be a game for everybody. But uh, I, I think that Undertale is a really special game. And there's mm. there are quite a few people I know that I've met in real life and such that are just like, <coughs> excuse me, I'm just like, oh, I, I, I would try Undertale, but I hate the fan base so much. I don't even want to engage with it. Hey. And it's like, come on, man. 
So to don't engage with the fan base. I don't, and I'm very happy. <laughs> <laughs> it is yeah. a lovely game. It's heartwarming and heart-wrenching at the same time, and it's mm. worth every minute of it, I would say. And it's still, I think... When I replayed it on, P I played it on PC and played it on PS4. So when I replayed it on PS4, I'd almost forgotten like what made it so good. Like in those years between the the re-release, oh, I just remembered all again. of the memes and all of the jokes that came out of it. But then I had to re-experience the really strong emotional attachment to every character. Yeah. And I think it twigged the other day or yesterday after playing Delta Rune. Like there are games I've played where it takes me twenty hours to fall in love with the cast. Deltarune and Undertale can do it in half an hour for me. Like, it's one line of dialogue and I'm I'll head over heels for yep. everybody. It's incredible. Yeah, in some ways I felt like playing through Deltarune was a lot like experiencing Undertale again for the first time. And that in itself is a gift, I think. Mm -hmm. Toby Fox pleased. is very savvy and very witty and very... I, it's this sort of combination of like a very switched on and observant empathy with a uh, his obviously encyclopedic knowledge of the yeah. that I think come together so nicely to um to make to make these games casts so je ne sais quoi to, to use a cliche <laughs> oh, are you from um, a French province of Canada as well ooh la la ooh la la <laughs> ooh, uh, just a little bit ooh, uh, a little <laughs> bit more when is Eurovision anyway March uh, April May. yeah it's probably next uh, May isn't it it's too far away Sorry, I'm not even going to be in Europe now. next year. It's not uh, Azerbaijan, uh, Israel. Oh, Israel. Okay, yeah. well, it shows what I know about Eurovision. I'm a fake fan, fake gamer, <laughs> fake Eurovision fan. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Well, I think that's about all I want to say uh, on the subject of Delta Rune. But if you're an Undertale fan, you owe it to yourself to go check it out and uh, go in as blind as you can. It's worth your time, I promise. Shifting topics, Alana had mentioned something that I just kind of spaced out as a, as a potential discussion here on the show, but Sony is going to be releasing their take on the NES and SNES Classic soon. It's the PlayStation Classic. It comes out in, uh, is it later this month or is it December? I forget. December 3rd, I think. Okay. So Sony's releasing their own little standalone PlayStation machine. Um, it's preloaded with 20 games from the PS1 era that are supposed to be pretty representative of Sony's um, lineup during that that age, but uh, yeah, it's like Rainbow Six. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean Super, Super Puzzle Fighter Two Turbo Machine is what I'm calling it. Or that's what nice. yeah, that's worth it. <laughs> yeah, Jumping Flash. I'm always here for Jumping Flash. Yeah, I'm happy that Jumping Flash is there. Um, I think somebody had pointed out on Twitter. Uh, I don't know who it was. Just somebody in my timeline. Sorry. But they had mentioned that Sony probably was sort of their hands were tied and their lineup for this just because so many of the games that were emblematic of the PlayStation era have been remastered or remade like Crash Bandicoot, Spyro the Dragon, now Medieval is being remade into a new game. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's sort of hard to justify the inclusion of those originals when they're <clears throat> trying to market the new releases of each of these things. But That's weird though, because I mean, I would think that this console would be more aimed at people who don't have a PlayStation 4. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Know. aimed at the nostalgia factor. I mean, I appreciate yeah. not wanting to double dip per se, but you bring up a good point, Robert, by by saying mm. that people who aren't keeping up and just have their old consoles or have lost the discs or whatever, just like, oh, I want to play that again in its true form. Mm. And uh, go ahead. I was going to say it's difficult because if you 
like that was the first thing that I jumped into my head. Someone was complaining that Crash Bandicoot wasn't on there, and I was like, well, they've just remade it. But actually, Final Fantasy VII's on there, and it's been ported to everything, and is coming to Switch and Xbox One yeah. next year as well. And it's such a double. It's so difficult to know what's you know they were never going to please everybody. I think that's the main thing. But and it's <laughs> no, really- that library should have been eight. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> it should have been eight though that is the right answer um but it's really hard because they chose to release the version without the analog stick so that immediately cuts off a bunch of games I'm yeah sure. like ape escape yeah mm. exactly ape escape has been shouted at me four times yesterday i can't play ape escape on my playstation classic says my best mm. friend yes you can't but um <laughs> yeah it's it's a difficult one because the, even the selection there's some really good things on there like you know, Metal Gear Solid, which deserves to be on there, and Grand Theft Auto. But then, say, like, you've got um, Mr. Driller, which I like Mr. Driller, but they're not the first thing I would think of, and some other things. But there are... Go on. I don't think there's anywhere else you can really play Mr. Driller at the moment. Yeah. So I think that's nice that that's going to be there. Um, It's mm. really a, a shame that that's not on any of today's consoles, because yeah, I, I really got a hankering for Mr. Driller. It's a... Yeah. Uh... I think it's either on the Vita or the PSP in Japan, so you can get Aye. one. Yeah, that's easy, right? So it's what an easy thing to to line up. Yeah. Now, um, yeah, and I think it's also on weirdly enough the Xbox 360 Live Arcade. Oh, <laughs> I think it is. Yeah, that that doesn't help us right now, does it? Probably not. Um, and on the RPG end, there are three titles that would be within our coverage. We've got Final Fantasy VII, which we knew was going to be there. Wild Arms One, which um, is an interesting choice in light of like well alter code f exists but is not like super readily available anyway um and i think some people felt like it was a, a controversial remake for how it made some changes and then um most unexpected in my opinion is revelations persona the um weirdly hacked apart ps1 release of persona one with the best soundtrack <clears throat> Uh, yeah, because it doesn't have like the vocal battle theme. I don't remember what the original battle theme sounds like in that. The original battle theme is not good, but the rest of that soundtrack is pretty outstanding. Okay. Is it like very different overall, the whole soundtrack? Oh, yeah. It's like it's like Chicago House in a minor key. Okay. Yeah, it's like it's dancey and kind of dark. It's really good. Huh. I don't think I've ever heard the original Revelations soundtrack. Uh, I highly recommend it. I mean, sadly, um, some of the best tracks in that game are from the Snow Queen quest, which you can't access. But right. that, that entire soundtrack is really worth a worth a hard listen. Okay. I'll have to look it up. Because I, I have the rip of the soundtrack from the PSP version, but not that one. So, okay. Something to look for. It's a lot longer, too. I think there's like double the amount of tracks. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, do any of you feel like you'll pick up the PlayStation Classic? No, <laughs> sadly not. I mean, I was kind of against, not against it, but I was kind of ready to not because I own pretty much everything I want off the PS1, bar a few non-European releases. And there's nothing on there like that I would rebuy uh, that I don't own already. Like I already own Wild Arms, I already own Rayman, I already own Final Fantasy VII, so I'm kind of... You know, and yeah. I own PSP version of Persona. I mean, the only difference mm-hmm. I know the horrible version of the PS1 translation, and <clears throat> there was some controversial like um, they changed a race, didn't they? Of one of the characters. Yeah, they made they made Mark black. Um, they made yeah. the student council girl like into a blonde. 
Yeah. Uh, and then they cut out the Snow Queen quest and yeah. some yeah. odd choices there. And also yeah. the speaking of the European version of the PlayStation Classic is the same lineup as the US version. Is that right? Yeah, that's that is right. correct. Okay. Yeah. And the then... only thing, the cool thing about Persona is the English version. One of the ca- I think <laughs> actually the blonde girl, uh, schoolgirl, is a called Alana in the American version. I oh, don't remember. She... Oh yeah. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. is Alana. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. You've been immortalized. I She's been immortalized. The, the trendy Kogal girl who uses a, a jump rope as a whip. Perfect. <laughs> How fun. So, that, that is exactly what I was doing when I was 16. I was Heck so yeah. Spartan. Yeah. Right on, right on target. <laughs> Greg, do you think you'll get the PS1 Classic? Uh, I mean, I was very curious when it was first launched, um, teased, especially because Wild Arms, because that's one I only like played briefly when I was younger and never got in had a chance with it because I hadn't quite hit my uh, stride with RPGs quite yet and didn't have my own PlayStation. Uh, but I have altered code F. So, I mean, when oh. the full roster kind of got announced, I was like, ah, uh, there's not really like there's, I was never, I've never been a big action person, especially with the PlayStation. The PlayStation for me was an RPG machine, not an action mm-hmm. machine. And the North American one is definitely very action heavy. If we got the Japanese one, I probably would have been a lot more interested. Right. Well, that's what I was going to ask next. So the Japanese PlayStation Classic has a different lineup. Mm. And the differences as far as RPGs are the Japanese one has Parasite Eve, the first one, and Saga Frontier. Both um, things I, I want to play. Yeah, mm. I would have liked to have both of those in the, the U.S. release. but Because uh, I know, let's see, Parasite Eve is available as like a... a PS3 slash Vita download. Is Saga Frontier one? I don't think it is. In Japan, both Saga <clears throat> Frontier games are, but okay. sadly, neither are here. And did those those released in Europe, like, at all? Only two. Yeah. What? First one didn't. Huh. Well, two has uh, phenomenal music. I didn't like the does. game back when I played it, but it's been a long time, so. One is weird and broken. I wrote it sure about is. it for the Halloween feature. It's, it's special, but <laughs> I mean, I can see why they wouldn't include it. I, I don't think, I don't think any saga games were particularly popular outside of Japan. But mm-hmm. yeah. I, I think it would be nice to have that game uh, available again. It would be another curio, more or less. Um, mm. Every saga game is kind of a weird experiment, and uh, mm. it would be nice to have access to that back catalog with the impending, whenever it is, release of Saga Scarlet Grace, so mm. we can kind of look back and see what they were like and how they're going to be next. So we haven't heard anything about that for a while, by the by. Yeah. I mean, occasionally, um, Kawazu pipes in saying, please, my English fans be patient. Um, (laughs) yeah, I guess, I guess his hands are tied really, aren't they? Uh, yeah, most likely. I, I have to wonder. I'm sure Square Enix has enough on their plates, and they're trying to kind of space out. Like they have Kingdom Hearts, yeah. which is their next big release about to come up, and then um, <clears throat> their Final Fantasy 14 arm is busy uh, with the fan festival coming up in a couple of weeks. So, like, I'm sure they've got enough that they don't need to add that to their like marketing machine at the moment. And finally, shown that the sorry, Greg, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Just and presumably all the seven stuff as well, as they're going back to the drawing board with that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. Who even knows what's going on with that game anymore? <laughs> That's the version we're going to get on the PlayStation Classic. <laughs> Surprise. Can you imagine? It. Yeah. You thought you were going to get Firefox it. Too. It's... No, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I've just like resigned myself to, to denying the existence of Final Fantasy VII Remake until it is a tangible thing. And yeah, Until we get like a release date and, and a... F- excuse me. And like a full gameplay trailer and stuff, I just... 
uh, I'm not going to waste my energy worrying about it just because it's yeah. probably still so far off and the form it's in now may not be the form it's in when it releases. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I, just what were you saying, Robert? Sorry. I was saying that um, they, I think over at Tokyo Game Show, they recently, um, the Romancing Saga 3 remake or, or remaster reared its oh, right. head. So yes. that's, yeah. that is something real. Uh, and that's supposed to come out in from, January. Yeah, it is. Um, apparently we're getting that too. I hope we do. It's a super good game. Yeah. I've never played any of them. I think I tried one of them, like the Famicom version. So it was Japanese. I had no idea what was going on. But like, mm. I know they're very esoteric. How do they, like, um, what are they like? Like, what niche do they fit into for the RPG gamer? Well, Alana, you reviewed two last year, didn't you? <laughs> I did, yes. Um, <laughs> I enjoyed I think you lasted it. longer than I did at that one. <laughs> I, I, I got right to the end, the very end, and 25 goes on the final boss, and I oh. gave up. <laughs> um, it is extremely difficult and extremely obtuse, but I love the way that you move around and progress the story. So the, the thing with Romancing Saga 2 is, is there's no real overriding story other than the fact that you are a genera uh, you are a part of a gen like a generation of family, and every time you die or there's like a set time, you'll reincarnate as another member or down the line. Um, but the way you move around the world, different events will happen at different times, and yeah, it, there's like mini sections that you play through, and you have to go and kill all of these seven heroes. Um, but I did enjoy it. They're just ex you just need to be ready to be patient. It's, and <laughs> it's funky. Um, yeah, mm -hmm. I I reviewed it over at CGM, and uh, I feel like I love the concept of Romancing Saga two more than I like playing it. Yeah, and I think oh, it yeah. was an important game for the way it pioneered some of those concepts, and it, it was like a very brave and risky game to come out in. I forget what year it was. Uh, I think 92. 92. Yeah. Uh, for it to be so freeform and for it to break so many of the, like, still fledgling RPG conventions as thoroughly as it did, we're like, whoa. Um, but Is in... it tactical gameplay? I forget it's gameplay <clears throat> No, style. it's a turn-based, like... Okay. You have a party. It... You meet up with people. Yeah, you, you have a them. party. It's got, like, a, a pretty unconventional leveling system where, like, the more you do stuff... Right, uh, no... Yeah, it's like the yeah. more you attack with a sword, the better you get at it. Yeah, or like and you you um you use skills in battle, and that gives you a random chance of learning like a higher level skill that <laughs> activates instead, and then you add those, and it's obtuse and not very well explained, but it's an interesting and pretty fun system once you get into it. Yeah, and I think for what it's worth, Romancing Saga Three is a bit more structured, right? Like you choose which character's story or who you want to be your protagonist, but it's like a more linear story, if I recall correctly. Um, like each character has a linear intro and then the world opens up, but like the quests are more, um, they're better signposted than Romancing Saga 2, where yeah. like, you know, it, it's a little bit more, um, starting a quest feels a little bit more like something like um, Legend of Mana, where there's like you know a title card and you're given okay. some clear clear objectives, um, rather oh. than just kind of wandering around talking to every NPC. Thank God, mm. yeah. Because <laughs> Romancing Saga Two is like, you know, you just have to know that on your second character, if you sit on the throne for a second and then travel to some remote ass town and then talk to the girl in the bottom left of the town, that <laughs> triggers a flag where you can go to a different town and find an NPC in the bar who will join your party and then start a new quest. It's like- it, Oh, there's game... still stuff like that, but it's not okay. as, it's not as much. <laughs> yeah, because in two, it's like, there's never really any indication that 
you were on any kind of track. It's like just sort of <laughs> flail about until you find your way, I felt. So, yeah, so that's good. I'm glad that's coming along. Um, I hope to see more on it. And it is supposed to be coming to what, like same con- same platforms, PS4, Switch, uh, PC, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I look forward to that. Um, I want to ask Greg, since uh, you haven't played the game so far that we've been talking about today, you've recently been delving into Monster Hunter, Monster Hunter World, right? <laughs> I have been. I appreciate nice. you indulging in me going back to an age-old game. Um, yeah, it's not that old, but yeah. Well, it's true. Well, I've, I think I brought it up on the podcast before. Just like sometimes it's hard to like leave games alone that were just good games, and then they keep releasing more free stuff. And I've definitely been wanting to get back for Monster Hunter, but I'm very behind since I went on to play, you know, Moonlighter, Battle Chasers, a whole bunch of other stuff for the podcast or for the website. So I've been wanting to go back and check out some of the DLC, some of the stuff added in, but my hunter ranks very low. So I've just been trying to hunt a lot of stuff in like the Elder's Recess and things like that, like um, the the blue salamander explodey face thing that I can only call Rampa right now. Um, I'm pretty sure his name's not Rampa, but that's okay. Um, it just makes me think of it every single time. <laughs> and uh, And then like Beetlejuice shows up and tries to ruin the party, um, which is terrible. Uh, Why would and you then, do that? Uh, because he's awful, and as Solosi has said, you just hear that music, and you're like, okay, bye. Like, no, he's trying to join the party, and you're, you're just not being accommodating enough for him. No, there was already two monsters there. I didn't I know. Third... He's Well, he's lonely. <laughs> That's his whole thing. Nobody invites him. And he's like, hey, guys, is there room for me? I brought dip. I brought my own music. <laughs> he's just a big boy who needs big friends. Right? Here's my chips. Kaboom. Uh, <laughs> And then, like, um, but I'm in that frustrating place where uh, I'm sure, because uh, Derek, uh, you've played it, but Elena and Rob, have you played Monster Hunter World? Oh, I've played a lot of it. There you go. Well, you know how like you're going the through the, 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 the quests, and then, like, you get the completed in the optional quests, and if it's silver, you're like, I'm missing something. What is it? Mm, yeah. And so I've been trying to collect things. So I was, like, I was collecting um, Tetsuki and uh, Toby Karachi, yeah, <laughs> you know, Lightning Snake and Tetsuki. <laughs> this is weird. Like for someone who's never played Monster Hunter, this is a real insight. Yeah, <laughs> the names are just yeah, yeah. They're 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 great, but sometimes you're just like I'm just. I mean, even um, what's the uh, Devil Ho? There we go. Oh the yeah, one. Devil Joe. No, the, the village Devil Ho. <laughs> yes, that was the previous episode. I call it like De Village Ho or something. De Village Ho. That's what yeah. it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is really on point for sometimes that how these names lend themselves to being very easily parodied. So I've just been trying to like find the thing, and I still haven't. It's still giving me that annoying silver completed banner, and there's something I'm just like, Argh! so I want to <laughs> like fools. Well, exactly. So I'm trying to exactly go out into the wilderness and just like just be all Liam Neeson and take everything. Um, and uh, that's basically my game right now until they finally rotate around with the Final Fantasy DLC again because I missed it on the first pass. And I just missed the Mega Man second pass again. I want oh. my cat to be Mega oh. Man. I thought, I thought Behemoth was like a permanent quest. Oh, it might be. So maybe maybe the armor is because I definitely see Cactuars everywhere still, which is great. I have a Cactuar in my bedroom. It's awesome. Oh. And I never noticed. I did it by accident, actually. I triggered it somehow by hitting it. And it was like basically a Baroth was like sitting on top of it and then just started doing the thousand needle thing. It like pumps out needles and murders stuff with its needle, a thousand needle attack. Hell yeah. 
I never knew knew that was a thing, but it was a awesome. really nice little uh, bonus to just sit back and watch something get mauled by a cactuar. Fun. Right? I thought that was a really nice touch that they kind of threw that in there. So it's been kind of nice going back to it and exploring some new things. Yeah, and I'm uh, glad that they continue to support it. I know that they're, <clears throat> they had said that they wanted to continue adding monsters. I haven't heard anything super recently about like a big new monster uh, um, addition, but they have been doing the seasonal events like they had the, yeah. I forget what they called it, like the Autumn Festival or whatever, Harvest they Festival, um, a few weeks ago in October, and that was cool. Um, mm. My partner still plays it pretty regularly, so I watched uh, him play a lot. So, Yeah, the only thing that seems to be there right now is they brought back that, um, oh shoot, that great big like gauntlet fight. Robert, do you know the name I'm talking about? The gold? I do. Oh, uh, I've never been, I think so, yeah. Cold I've never been high enough to... Something uh, like that. I mean, is that the one? But uh, yeah, it's like arc-tempered version of it yeah. now or something i can't remember mm, that's the okay. seems to be the, the happening thing at the moment but i always look at those things and i'm just like my hunter ranks too low so i'll just keep doing yep. what i'm doing same um, <laughs> keep grinding basically whenever i have the chance because yeah because then you got like swords of ditto just really something which i went back and played that have you played it since they did the update no and um i have a I'd friend like here uh, in town who um the I went to his house and he loaded up his PS4 and his like most recent play game was Swords of Ditto. And I was like, oh God, Swords of Ditto. And he was like, <laughs> okay, but have you played it since the update? And I was like, no. And he said that it's made a world of difference in how much he likes it. So. Uh, I have a re- I already got up, did up an addition to my review that'll be coming to the website soon-ish. Oh, great. So, but I did like the change and I would be curious in a future episode to talk with you if you get a chance to like dabble in it and see what you think of those changes. So for now... Yeah, I felt like it had a good foundation, but I just did Absolutely. not like the execution. So it's good to hear that they've continued to work on it. Mm-hmm. There's definitely like they're streamlining it nicely, which is good. And it's it's great to be in this world where like... There seems to be like a turn where in for a lot of companies, I mean, there's still some companies that kind of flout the whole idea, but uh, a lot of uh, more of the indie developers are putting consumers first and not just relying on like, oh, we'll fix it in DLC. It's more just a case of like, oh, we didn't quite get it right. We want to keep going at this for free and like make this work. Like there's like uh, a lot of apologizing, I guess, but like not that they've wronged us per se, but just they recognize, oh, we didn't quite nail it and we want to make this right as opposed to just like, eh, suck it up too bad. Maybe we'll right. fix it. Maybe we won't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel a lot of developers are going that direction more of favoring the, the consumer market and really trying to give well, us something good for it. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm all for developers having an artistic vision for how they want a game to be. But uh, there's also a difference between accepting like, okay, we had a vision and it didn't quite work out. And then the stubbornness of like, well, you know, this this sucks, but deal with it because it's, I mean, at that point, it's your choice as the player to not play anymore or not to give them the money. But yeah, I, I appreciate sort of the the humility of saying, well, this is what we aimed for and we didn't quite nail it, so we're going to keep at it. Yeah, because we definitely live in a golden age for that where they can do those fixes after the fact because like if a Nintendo game was bad on the NES, it was bad. <laughs> and there were many the of those well exactly and like, it's not like they were going to release like they maybe could get a sequel if they had the money and maybe fix it but it's not they were going to be like oh here's the new updated cartridge if you return your old one we'll give you this one for free or something like this that wasn't a thing right so that, yeah that's what it was in a couple of cases super rarely but yeah 
Yes, it was incredibly rare. Or you know, there's just ET and everything got thrown in a dumpster. That's <laughs> how um, that's how uh, Data East went bankrupt with um, the re-release of Metal Max Two on Game Boy Advance. Oh. It was so buggy they had to recall them all, and uh, that was the uh, making that right was the end of that company forever. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Hardcore Gaming One Hundred and One writer Robert Fenner. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> So that was good. And then I guess the only other recent thing was Moonlighter released a Halloween update. I haven't looked at it, but I know you can get Halloween stuff. So. Well, I want to play That's that. Fun. It looks so cool. Please it's do. out on it Switch in four days from this recording, November and 5th. I think it's going to translate really nicely to that. Like, I enjoyed it on the PlayStation, but it's definitely, as I had said, a game that lends itself to smaller bursts. Like, just grinding through the whole game in, like, one sitting, basically. Like, that's your main focus. Definitely got to a point where I was like, okay, I've done a lot of the roguelike thing. So being able to kind of take it on the go and play it in bursts and then set it aside for a bit while you play something else and then come back to it is like, I think it would be really good on the Switch for that. Mm-hmm. Good. I look forward to playing that. I'm going to grab that next week. Um, this, yeah, this uh, entire season is just full of stuff, 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 stuff. It'll yeah. be a good Christmas. <clears throat> take Christmas break and just play things. I know. Yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Well, <laughs> uh, speaking of good art that's out, we recently were treated to the release of Castlevania Season 2 on Netflix. I am, mm-hmm. uh, I'm only three episodes through it. So far, I'm quite happy with it. It's not perfect, but it is a hell of a lot better than any adaptation of Castlevania I could have ever asked for, I feel like. It's just so faithful to the spirit of the show and like so well animated and nicely plotted overall the dialogue is quite natural <clears throat> um i'm really enjoying it so far but since it's the season for castlevania i was going to say that uh i know alana's been playing konami's recent release of castlevania requiem mm-hmm. which contains symphony of the night and rondo of blood Ooh. um rondo of blood was only released in the uh u.s and i think europe <clears throat> english-speaking territories at least for the first time as part of the PSP port of Castlevania Symphony of the Night, right? Or no, uh, it was... Yeah, Dracula X Chronicles, yes. That's the PSP version. It was Dracula X Chronicles, which was a remake of Rondo of Blood, and you oh, could right. also unlock... You could unlock Symphony of the Night on it, and also the original Rondo of Blood, so... Yes, yeah. and right. you could unlock the little mini-game that they gave you. Oh, yeah. You um, didn't have, like, the Super System card inserted in your Turbo Duo? That's right. What is that all about? It's like it's like this little like omake um chibi Castlevania level with like super deformed characters and you just like move Richter to the end and whip these cute little zombies and then it's like you don't have a super CD card please insert that next time. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's adorable. It's very cute. So yeah, so Castlevania Requiem is out um I remember I had the PSP version of the the Dracula Chronicles. I don't remember anything about it really and i certainly never played the original version of rondo of blood so i for one have been enjoying going through rondo for the first time ever it's got quite a bit of uh like diversity and branching paths in the stages yeah which i didn't mm-hmm. realize was a thing um you've got maria as a second playable character who plays totally differently from richter it's uh, got banging music it's really really good but more relevant to our coverage is symphony of the night and alana you've been replaying that Mm-hmm. Yeah, nearly finished it in two things, but oh boy, it's still exactly the same as I remember it, minus the voice acting, but you know, <laughs> small things. No, no sweet, sweet, sweet Jeremy Blaustein uh, localization job. No, what is a man? Yeah. <laughs> and is that but, the one that's supposed to be like the really good one? 
Symphony yeah. of the Night is widely regarded as the best Metroidvania in the series, I would say. Um, right nice. up there with Aria of Sorrow, which is the Game Boy Advance though, um, prequel mm-hmm. to the uh, Dawn of Sorrow. Uh, mm. so yeah, th- those two are always competing for top for me. But yeah, it's um, it is exactly the same as you remember it. And if you love it, then you'll still love it. And if you haven't tried it, then I'd recommend it because it still plays as smoothly as fun as everything is ever really like, yeah and you can really feel the influence it had on time spinner when you play it like playing mm. this so re- so soon after time spinner it's like oh my god yeah time spinner yeah. nailed it oh yeah definitely i played time spinner and then bought this because i was like i need more of this and mm-hmm. yeah symphony of the night just nails it again and again it holds up um it's the the port castlevania requiem that has this two-pack is fairly bare bones uh, <laughs> that's what i've heard yeah, i'm not really sure what i would expect it to have i guess but it just feels like a very simple menu that just boots the game and is like okay it'd be nice yeah, to have I... something like you know like some concept art or little um little bits of history about the game like some yeah, of these I... other packages do yeah. i like a museum mode I do too. I think it's like I wasn't expecting anything to come with it, but like the ti- it is literally the title screen is just Castlevania Requiem. <clears throat> you click, all you can hear is rain and thunder, and the two games are the ti- like the two titles. If you select another one, they overlap each other, so you can't read the menu properly. Like the UI is so unintuitive and horrible. It's yeah, just like job, Konami. Konami were just like, yeah, we'll sell them. We don't care, and it's like you should care. It's you a bit cool, Konami. Care. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not usually one to get on the Konami hate train, but like between how bare bones this package is and um, the recent news that they're um, rolling out a patch that will remotely kill installed versions of PT. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah um, makes me have say they like, backtracked mm. on that. Have they really? I they okay. On that. All right. As, as, I just yeah, saw the news I yesterday. Yeah, I remember yeah. I saw a deleted tweet and then did some hunting. But yeah, like regardless, it's like it's safe of my ire like for now. Yeah, really. I mean, <laughs> but that's that also that's that's a big, you know, when it comes to preservation, that's a big no no in my opinion. I mean, I guess they can do whatever they want, but it's just, oh, it's not it's nice. Just, like erase it from existence is so. I don't know. Lame. It reeks of like it's spoiled. It's it's like unnecessarily it overbearing. Yeah, yeah it's petty. Yeah. <clears throat> um, just before we move away from Castlevania Symphony then entirely, I was just going to say I'm, it's it's a disappointment to me that this port doesn't include the Sega Saturn exclusive features like being able to play as Maria. Yeah, you, you yeah, know that stuff. I would agree with that. I'd love to play through the new areas at the very least. Like I'm not interested in the slowdown of the Saturn version or anything like that. But for sure, I'd love to play through as Maria or even there's an underground underwater level, and I remember this like that's the only thing I ever like distinctly sticks in my mind from the Saturn version. I'd love that. Those features are in that that hidden PSP, um, the Symphony of the Night version that's included in in the Dracula X Chronicles. Oh, are there? And yeah. this game uses that localization. So I mean like How what weird. did they do? Did they take the PS one version and slap that localization on it or what? It's it weird. like a weird Frankensteining yeah. several versions that don't incorporate the best parts. <laughs> Konami got a Konami, I guess. I mean, like, Konami is, and it's not just, mm-hmm. like, that they haven't put out a lot of games in the series that we like, it's that they've been sort of, like, notoriously uh, restrictive in terms of how they release their games, and they, like, have neglected certain IPs. Um, they had a whole thing way back when with um, 
Dance Dance Revolution when In the Groove, the sort of DDR fan version of it released in arcades, mm. they like took them to court and ended up acquiring the IP just so that In the Groove could not release anymore ever. And then they did nothing with it after they acquired it. Is uh, I have a friend, um, <clears throat> Rob Roberts, he's a podcaster over at Orange Lounge Radio, which is a really long running. Uh, it's one of like the longest running game podcasts out there. I think they've been around for like 12 or 14 years or something stupid like that. Wow. And uh, he's really big into the Bimani scene or like that's that's a big part of how Orange Land Radio started. And I've heard stories from him about how Konami is just like ugh, uh, some of the stuff that they've done to the industry and like their involvement with them since they were a big uh, uh, like a site that provided a lot of coverage of Konami. Anyway, I'm getting a bit off topic, but <laughs> damn it, Konami, damn it. What are they doing with Suikoden? They've just like registered Suikoden domain, haven't They're they? They're doing nothing with Suikoden. <laughs> that, that is well, just... they, they put they put one and two on PSN, so I, I can't begrudge them too much for that. But, I mean... It's I better know. than nothing, I guess. I, like, I, I don't really want Suikoden <laughs> without Moriyama. Um, I'm no, certainly... I... I'm not really interested in that PSP game that has, like, 108 characters which are like duplicates of each other some of which don't have portraits i mean i don't think we're really missing out yeah apparently so no so i mean i don't think we're really missing out but it would be nice if they gave it like i don't know a collection treatment or a museum treatment but they won't do that will they right well you can get uh so we get in three and four as ps3 downloads can you get five you can't get five and that's a really really good one it is it's sure as hell better than four (laughs) <laughs> four has one of the best mahjong digital mahjong games i've ever played so oh well that's a reason to buy it i guess i bought it <laughs> oh man so we get in four those load times uh well another spooky thing that i wanted to discuss as long as we're on the subject is fenner has been playing a little a little game a visual novel that came to us courtesy of axis um this is the like an appropriate release for the season. Um, who's the developer? Is this Acquire? You know what I'm talking about. The, is it Acquire? Or oh, who? it's uh, it's Experience. Um, Experience. Who uh, developed um, my favorite game of 2018, uh, Operation Abyss. Oh my <laughs> effing God. Uh, <laughs> but it's it's Deathmark, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm going to, speaking of Deathmark, I'm going to go put myself to death uh, with the mention of, I can't even. <laughs> if you I'm, I'm like, if- if you get Secret Santa this year and that's what you get, you know oh who you've got. Oh my god. Oh I don't need another copy of that. One is enough. <laughs> uh, right. I just disassociated. You totally threw me off. <laughs> so Robert Fenner, <laughs> you have been playing you've been playing Deathmark, you son of a gun. What do you uh, think about Shibati? Uh no. How do you feel about Deathmark? Oh boy, let me tell you. Um I I really, really like this game. Uh I am a little bit disappointed by it. Um I guess like experience got to experience um, and that this is a game, this is a experience or a developer known for like body salacious dungeon crawlers. Um, And um, it didn't seem like Deathmark was that it is a, um, it is a Japanese style adventure game about um, you develop the titular Deathmark and uh, you, uh, gather together some other people who have death marks and uh, venture into haunted locales in a um, unnamed unnamed city in modern Japan to try and try and exercise some ghosts and uh, save yourselves before uh, dawn breaks and your mark uh, kills you. Um, and like 
it plays a little bit like Corpse Party Book of Shadows, which is a game that I very much dislike. Um, not so much for its gameplay, but just for what that game was trying to do. Yeah. Um, but like I, you know, I have a soft spot for a slow burn horror game in which you're um, stalking around um, a a first person view of like a, a 2D dilapidated school, and you're shining your uh, flashlight around trying to find clues or. Uh, uncover ghosts that will um, spook you and then disappear. Um, but I mean, what got me here was that this game really hid the fact that it um, is just as horny as experiences other games. Um, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of ladies uh, in undress in uh, in various states of bondage um, in this game, and it just feels like. Well, this is cheap. Um, and like, you know, I was just, I was trying to get spooked late at night. Like I had that, I had uh, the lights out. I had my headphones on. And then I was like, oh, it's more Moe stuff, <laughs> you know? <laughs> sort of as is typical. Yeah. And I mean, <clears throat> certainly you can use eroticism as an element of horror, but. Um, you can, but it's it so like it was separate like, here. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like the what I brought up in my review, uh, which you can read now which on the is, site. Which is very good. Oh, I thank you very much. Very well um, you 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 see this this early scene where uh, one of your party members, a teenage girl, uh, goes missing um, when you're hunting down this this ghost this ghost plant boy, uh, and when you find her, she's she's tied up in vines and suspended from the ceiling in her underwear because of course she is. Um, but I mean, what really gets me with this scene in particular is it is already established that. Um, this ghost only attacks adult men. Um, so you act, you know, once you save this girl, you have to use her in the, in the encounter against him because he won't kill her because he doesn't uh, hurt adolescents. So, I mean, you know, uh, you see that he, he ties up his victims who are all adult men uh, and, you know, ties them up in his vines and makes flowers bloom out of them. And then it's like, okay, you are just doing this so we can look at a um, sexy teenage girl. Oh, like the fact that you have to use her, even though the ghost, like per the story, wouldn't go after her. Well, no, no. I mean, like it's before you have to use her. Like she, she is, she's tied up in vines and she's going to be killed. Um, and then when you use her, it's like, oh, you know, the ghost responds, um, oh, you're not an adult. I won't hurt you. So, like, why did he, uh, why was he, you know, tying her up in vines and trying to kill her five minutes before? There's no reason for it. So that we can see her. Yeah. Um, and and every every chapter is like this. There's one or two scenes. Um some of which are pretty extreme. Um, I was looking at other reviews uh, to see uh, see what some other takes were, and uh, I saw that uh, a certain a certain contingency of the internet is upset because there was um, one one scene that was apparently cut out uh, from the English version. Which, um, yeah, boy, oh boy, it's um, exactly what I would expect it to be. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, it is. Um, but aside from that. Um, this is one of the spookiest games I've played in quite a long time. And I can get behind that. Yeah, the horror element is there. I was certainly struck by the the Japanese box art with that the ghost that's wearing a bride's veil outside of a phone booth. She looks amazing. Yeah. 
Great. All of the monsters in this game look amazing. I was really drawn to, in the PS2 era specifically, I was really into uh, third-person horror games. I loved Fatal Frame, Mm. Ground. um, Why can't I think of anything else? Uh, Why does Lifeline come to mind? That wasn't a horror game. I mean, kind of. (laughs) A game where you control a space waitress using your voice. Is that the one where you shout at her and then like sometimes she runs the wrong way? Yeah, yeah, I never played that. It looked like a nightmare. <laughs> it's something. It's a really weird experience. But yeah, um, games like Fatal Frame and Silent Hill, etc., were were a big thing for me in the PS2 era. And I think personally, my affinity for horror has kind of lessened um, as I've gotten older. And I have to. I, I wonder if part of it's just like the level of realism present in mm. a lot of horror games. Like it just kind of, it it unnerves me too much, or like the level of gore or violence. Um, I like mm-hmm. a more subtle horror. So I tend to like Japanese horror better because it's very psychological. And I mm. um, I got sort of that PS2 era Japanese horror vibe from Deathmark, from what I could well, see. Like, even earlier than that, I mean, it harkens back to like some of my favorite Japanese horror, which is like Sega CD games or, or microcomputer games. There's a real kind of snatcher vibe or dead of the brain uh, kind of. Uh, you know, these 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 Japanese style menu driven adventure games, which are um, a real a real slow burn um, with equal parts like exposition and going to a safe place and planning what to do and then heading out into a um, hostile area where uh, where the spooks are abound. Um, and there's there's just so few games that are trying to do that Japanese style adventure games outside of something like Danganronpa, um, which, you know, I love, uh, but um, it, it kind of feels like a genre that largely doesn't exist anymore. And it's one that, um, I don't know, I just, it won't appeal to everybody, but I have a lot of time for it. The sort yeah. of, the, the, it has things in common with the visual novel, but there's far more uh, player agency. I'll put it that way. Okay. Uh, I wonder... No, they're probably very different, but uh, two games that sort of came to mind, I'm not really sure why, in looking at media of Deathmark and listening to your uh, descriptions of it. The first was um, White Day. Yeah, very different. Okay. White Day is more like Amnesia, uh, those those horror games. Yeah. Okay. And the other one, sort of more thematically than gameplay-wise, at the very least, was uh, Fragile Dreams came to mind. Okay, yeah, I could see that. You're in a lot of uh, dilapidated areas um, at night. So, I mean, I, I could see that tracking, but... Maybe it's just the, the aesthetic that I was thinking. <sighs> I love that. I love that game's aesthetics. I wish that was um, a bit more playable than it, than right. it actually is. I, still, I really like it despite how wonky it is, but yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of terrified to fire it up again on my Wii U because I just remember fumbling around in the dark with those controls and being like, this looks so amazing and it's just so, so hard to play. Sure is. And you get to repair your weapons constantly. Yeah. <laughs> constantly. Oh, a uh, big shout out to the uh, maintenance crew on my fire escape that has been making that loud ass thumping noise for this entire uh-huh. hour. So uh-huh. from outside the house. Thanks for them. Yeah, the call is coming from outside the house. Yeah, so <laughs> guys. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, one thing I will say is that I think Deathmark has a really incredible and surprising ending. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. So it is. It's if if you are engaged and you can deal with uh, 
the salacious materials to get to the end. It does uh, it does something that made me gasp that uh, rarely happens. Oh. So, Interesting. Yeah. Is it spookier than Mermaid Swamp? It is considerably spookier than Mermaid Swamp. <laughs> well, you enjoy that on my behalf. Okay. <laughs> what are you talking about? What's Mermaid Swamp? Uh, that is the latest episode of Retro Encounter that uh, oh. hosted that uh, yeah, Greg they, and I were both uh, on. They introduced me to uh, the the indie horror genre of these kinds of games of just like, yeah, the indie adventure games and stuff like that that are all rooted in the horror mechanics and that I've never experienced. And I was like, I'll sign up for this. Sure, because I liked Costume Quest. Very different <laughs> than uh, Halloween games than I was expecting. Um, so I know about my own website <laughs> <laughs> so uh it was it was an experience and so like i'm definitely curious about yeah stuff like this game uh maybe not so much the salacious material of it all but mm-hmm. the the level of the spookiness was surprising and mm-hmm. how engaged i was in it so um if it's even more so i'm like okay i'm good i'm good i think, I think uh my, my partner is really well okay i know that my partner is really into horror i think he may want to pick this up and so um i'll have to link him your review fenner and then mm. maybe we'll play through it and i can report back to you um that would be cool because i think it's got a lot going for it okay um i was pretty engaged from start to finish um i mean there's some issues with the story as well like it's a little um let's 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 say that some of these ghost origin stories are a little bit too rape happy um which really doesn't fit in with uh the um the the sexy scenes it sends a bit of an icky message um yeah Well, it's it sounds like it's uh, worth playing overall, and I really, despite all of the weird um, sort of comparisons I've thrown out, I do miss that feeling of the like earlier era J horror. So this might just yeah for something along the lines of like a Fatal Frame. So I'm hoping that we because the sequel just came out in Japan as well. Oh, uh, NG NG, uh, which is short for not good, which I find incredibly amusing. <laughs> <laughs> sure is good. Um, from what I understand, that is, uh, instead of going for a, uh, sort of creeping around a dilapidated area, uh, it's going for a bit more of like a Jew on the grudge feel where, um, you are in your, you're in everyday locations, um, and things start to slowly become corrupted. Like you're in your bright apartment, but then, um, your photographs get, your framed photographs, uh, on the wall start to get distorted and, and uh, it looks very, very creepy. And um, I, I hope we get to see that in English. And I hope it's not as, as sexy. <laughs> Which is, yeah, something that uh, is weird to have to say that. But yes. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I'm going to check it out. Um, yeah. I wanted to wrap up this episode with a little bit of chatter about uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. It is not strictly an RPG. However the information that was revealed during today's Nintendo Direct here on November 1st really added a lot of RPG-like elements to the game, just aside from the inclusion of some RPG characters. Um, We learned about the new spirits, which are a a core game function. Well, it's optional, but there's this entire sort of spirit system that's going to be added to Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. And what it is, is we have 
more or less just cameo characters from a huge variety of video games that have made their way into Super Smash Brothers. This sort of replaces the in-game trophies that were in previous Smash entries. Um, so instead of getting like an encyclopedia description of each of these games, we get just like a piece of artwork and then each piece of artwork and spirit has its own associated abilities. You can use the spirits to customize your characters and sort of add to their stats or give them um, things like, uh, I think there was like a metal character, I think like Fiora from Xenoblade Chronicles gives you metal armor and uh, you can get uh, various Fire Emblem characters or, I, I mean like there's so much stuff I couldn't even begin to touch at all, plus I don't have reference materials in front of me, but I remember I tweeted, I saw Sagi, uh, thank you Alana for reminding me of his name. Uh, <laughs> The main character of Van Kaita's Origins is the spirit that you can get. Like, what? Oh, wow. That's such a surprise. Although the valedictory um, elegy was in uh, Smash 4, wasn't it? So I wonder if it's back for this. Ooh, I hope so. That song is so good. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. That, that maybe opens the door for um, Nintendo and Bandai Namco to maybe re-release the Van Kaito's games. Please. That's so bad. Sure would Please. be nice. Please. They're pretty wonky. The first one um, has some of the most bizarre voice acting uh, and character <laughs> Yeah, everybody's speaking through a tube in that game, like a toilet yeah, paper tube. Pretty much. I remember some reviews back then were like trying to justify it, and they were like, "No, no, because you're, you're the character the- in another world, so it's like it's filtered because you're in the because you're not hearing it properly." It's like, no, they just recorded it in a bathroom, didn't they? It's <laughs> <laughs> bad at quality. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I personally, I think this is very exciting. Uh, It's an opportunity for you to kind of go deeper into Smash using what amounts to more or less just like the ideas surrounding a lot of your favorite characters. I just think it's cool. Like it's fun to, if you're going to be playing Smash for that many hours, it's fun to collect um, all the characters. And they mentioned that you can sort of form your own little dream teams of spirit combinations. Like, and I, I just like that idea. I like that it's, it's giving the end user a chance to sort of play around with their own history and experiences with such a huge variety of games to create their own little microcosm of gaming history. Um, Super cool. It seems a lot more hand-on too than like the, what they did with the Amiibo. Cause it sounds a lot like what they were doing with the Amiibo where you kind of fed them and gave them different power-ups and boosted them. But they, they were just kind of like your, your, your chicken fighters that you sent out to go battle other Amiibo fighters. So, being able to customize them for your own play and stuff like that is a lot more appealing to someone like myself. Yeah, and and you the amiibo function still exists. You can still yep. tap your amiibos, and you can still feed them um, and stuff, and, and add to their stats. And then the spirits, they were saying you can also do like little expedition type things where you send them out on a journey, and then you come back in real time, like sort of the cute, like the a t- the their prototypical gotcha type gameplay but it, there's no real money involved in any of the the spirit acquisition stuff which is great because when they first revealed it's just a grind yeah they were like oh there are spirits of different you know strength levels up to four stars i was like oh shit <laughs> yeah. Yeah. right i'm already playing Dragalia lost which is still i still am by the way i'm still <laughs> still not out here is it no. not no. we have no yeah. date either canada doesn't have it either i don't think what I know I don't have it on Android. I know it's been announced, and that's basically what I'm waiting on as Android. That's so bizarre. Yeah, no, I'm still playing this dumb game. They actually just put out the third event, like post-release event. It's a new raid, which is basically just like a four-player co-op against a big boss. 
and uh, you each bring a party of four and you fight against it and stuff. And it's cool. Special limited mm -hmm. time, um, a limited time character and a limited time dragon, which is like you can transform as your trump card in battle uh, into whatever dragon you have equipped. So, anyway, oh god, I don't want to talk about it really. <laughs> so yes, yeah, you I mean, do. <laughs> no, I do, and, and I hate myself for it. Um, <laughs> ultimate, uh, I I've heard a lot of takes on today's Nintendo Direct. It seems like some people are uh, decently happy with it. Uh, I'm among those. Uh, some people are very disappointed in the the miss sort of direction of the so-called Grinch leak that turned out to not be true. Um, none of those characters ended up being announced or revealed. And because they have said that the, the roster on disc is now complete, uh, including the new additions, Ken, Incineroar, and Piranha Plant, who will be a free DLC character if you buy the game around launch area. Uh, Ooh. Yeah, which, what a odd inclusion. I'm okay with that. It was so great. It's cool. He's got feet. Like, he's got <laughs> what? feet his pipe. He does? <laughs> yes, he does. I just, I laughed. Show feet, sweetie. And I loved it. Yeah. Oh, gosh, Robert. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I honestly, like, I'm like, there's a new main for me. Right there, I'm gonna master this little piranha plant because it just looks like so much fun. It's so silly. Yeah, he looks like he could be a, a very irritating um, opponent to play against, like very smug. And all those like <laughs> kind of like stat things he does and everything, like with the poison yeah. and the spiky balls and stuff. Yeah, it's neat. Mm -hmm. yep. Piranha plant is the new bayonetta. Oh my god, competitive nerf nerf piranha plant. <laughs> uh, so they also announced that they will be doing five DLC characters uh, that will release by February 2020. Oh my God! Give Sakurai a vacation, please. Please. Yeah, that was probably really one of my I worry parts. about him so yeah. much. He was just sitting there, just like staring blankly at the camera, and like, will I ever get a break? And like underneath the table, I'm sure he's like shackled to it or something. Like, <laughs> and it's like, you know, it's, I, I made a joke about it on Twitter, like Sakurai, if you need help, blink twice. <laughs> um, I, I, I <laughs> it's, it's fun to joke about it, you know, and everything. Cause the guy has very much made a spectacle of being like the perpetually overworked Nintendo boy, but man, I really hope that he's taking care of himself. Big mm -hmm. time. Yeah. Crunch is awful. Yeah, and we talked about in the last podcast too how you were just saying like if it meant no smash versus Sakurai dying, I'll take no smash. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep, mm. I would. I don't think any game is worth a person's life and livelihood, you know. No, unless that person is the forty third president of the United States. <laughs> but it saddens me how divisive that debate probably would be online. Oh, no doubt. There are tons of people out there who are just like, you know, F you, give me the game. Um, I want it now. I want it faster. I don't care about the people who make it. Like, people who can't see the humanity behind the games uh, that they consume are quite numerous. It makes me sad. But... Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're, they're Opportunity lost for them. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so, and also, what was that? And then there's like yeah the story mode and stuff right yeah and and uh that looks very cool there's like the little world maps which are kind of like little pre-rendered things that your character get to walk around and you get to fight these battles against characters with very specific loadouts and ai patterns um, which a lot of that feels very rpg to me mm -hmm. so and it looks like a nice hearkening back to uh the time space emissary which i really did enjoy back on brawl and kind yeah, of missed the name term, having that fun adventure mode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did too. 
Yeah, I see it sort of as a means of um, completing varying objectives when you're not playing with your friends. And it also kind of gives you a chance to practice maybe, like practice with some characters you might not play as much, um, give you an excuse mm. to play it when you're on your own instead of just like trying to polish your your multiplayer skills. I don't know. I'm I'm very happy with it. I think that it looks like a really fun and robust mode and they've poured such a ridiculous amount of time and energy into making this game truly live up to its moniker ultimate. Sakurai's okay. So here's my question. Do you guys think that the fact that they announced Isaac as an assist trophy precludes him from ever being a DLC character? Yeah. Mm, kind of seems I, that way, doesn't it? I would probably say yes. Was there... I want to say there was an instance of a character in the past being assist, an assist trophy who's now a full fighter. But was that in a different game, though? Yeah. It, yeah, so it wasn't in the same... Maybe maybe they'll make Felix the character in DLC. I was going to say that. Ooh, that's a great idea. That is a cool idea. Yeah, he would play... Yeah, Yes, I like it. Good. Everybody... And then follow-up question. Is there, in this game, a Waluigi trophy? Uh, isn't there? I think there is. Oh, oh so it's this trophy. Yes, sorry. My there mind. is an assist trophy? Okay. Yeah. Then, okay, that sadly means probably oh. no him as well. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, if we were going to get a new Mario addition to the roster, Piranha Plant's a heck of a lot more odd and endearing to me. Than oh, I agree. <laughs> so I'm I just people have been shouting about it for ages, for sure. Oh, no doubt. Well, we still don't have a Geno assist trophy. And in Smash 4, there was a Geno me fighter outfit, but they haven't revealed anything of the sort for this one. He's a spirit, I think, so far. So, oh, did they show him as a spirit? Apparently, I was looking through our Slack chat, and uh, good old Steve and Myrick brought it up. Mm, okay. But who knows? It could not be Sam Rules as a cis trophy, blah, 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 blah. Right. Yeah, and, yeah. right. This is all operating under the assumption that like they're following a specific rule set that they, they Exactly. Might like, they yeah, could just give us Isaac and Waluigi and whatever and be like, float the rules. Yeah. You get both. Everybody gets a, a Golden Sun character. You get a Golden Sun character, and you get a Golden <laughs> All five DLC is Golden Sun characters. <laughs> Well, that would make some people happy. I wonder if we'll get an FF12 character or something like that, like from since they've announced some new Final Fantasy. I'm surprised there's no one else besides Cloud. I would love another. Vivi would be a good fit. He would. would I would master the hell out of that sweet boy. Oh, Mystery Dungeon Chocobo is an assist. (gasps) Oh. Yes, 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 yes. Collective As a character, like Mystery Dungeon Chocobo, as a character. Oh, as a character would be even better too. And like he changes job classes as oh his like. Oh my god! I found my main. Different abilities. <laughs> <laughs> my dream main. I love him so much. He's my new dream main. I I, I didn't even think about it to now. Unless they give me a uh, Dogi from the East series, <laughs> which will never happen. Oh wow! <laughs> they would sooner do Adol and make Dogi an assist trophy, or like have Adol's final smash. Uh, oh, true. Yeah. I don't know. But they but, did throw in like the Virtua Fighter. Which I was like, what? Yeah, cool. Was like, was that, when was that on a Nintendo console? When was there ever Virtual Fighter on Nintendo? Uh, I mean, the Sega Classic. Oh, it's the Mega Drive, though, isn't it? That's oh, right, Sega. There we go. Yeah, did, yeah, it's Sega. Did that, did that bad um, Virtua Fighter RPG come to GameCube? It might have. Oh, does anybody remember that? No, I never do not remember. <laughs> oh, gosh. It was like, it was, it was when the, the, ps2 market was inundated in like poor quality rpgs and one of which was like i think it was called virtua quest 
and you were like this schoolboy who got transported into Virtua Fighter world, and it was like Pokemon, but with the cast of Virtua Fighter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Am I the only person who remembers this? Did I re did I imagine this? No, you made it. No. Uh, it's real. It is real. It was on GameCube. Yep, Virtua Quest. Uh, there we go. In there we go. 2005 in North America, uh, 2004 in Japan. I remember seeing the box, but I never played it. Yeah, same. Weird. So how does this? How does Virtual Quest rate vis-a-vis uh, -vis Mega Man X Command Mission? <laughs> I think they were contemporaneous to each other, weren't they? Uh, <laughs> and, and further, uh, going further, how do they rate next to Custom Robo, which mm. was not like a, an RPG spinoff? But oh my god, the story mode in that game was just wow. wow. <laughs> Well, Neil gave Virtua Quest a uh, modest sixty-one uh, percent. Oh wow! If Neil gave it that low of a score, then um... <laughs> he's a pretty forgiving guy. I think he, yeah, I was gonna say I think he's a pretty, uh, uh, he's a higher skewing reviewer. So, <clears throat> although he isn't reviewed in quite a while, so guilty as charged. Yeah, so are you, Greg? <laughs> <laughs> be mean. Be a mean man. It's fun but to be then... mean sometimes. What was that on? It's fun to be mean sometimes. <laughs> when I find a game, you better... Oh, it's Puppy Dog Guys. Okay, fine. I'll give you a 75. Burn <laughs> uh -huh. <clears throat> for a bad time. Just like Sans the Skeleton would say. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. Skeleton of skeleton. Captain America gif. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, folks, I think I'm ready to... Uh, <laughs> to wrap this episode up today. Uh, it's been a day full of exciting news for Super Smash Brothers, and I, I know that I'm still riding the hype wave, but as always, there are good RPGs um, out and on the horizon, so... Uh, oh! Well, if I may, sorry, I had a, a random segue I wanted to make from you bringing up uh, gotcha stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I, know, I don't know if anyone else here is playing Record Keeper, uh, Final Fantasy Record Keeper still. Pardon? No. Uh, but if you do have it, uh, if only right now while the holiday stuff's going on, boot it up just to hear that really rad Rick's uh, mix of uh, the Gestures of the Moon or whatever from Final Fantasy IX. Is that the one? Okay. Oh. They're, they made like a very Halloween-y version of it for like their whole Halloween. And the background art is gorgeous too in the, the menu. But anyways, it's just it's really good. Go, yeah, go listen to it. I wonder if that's on the, uh, the newly released Record Keeper soundtrack volume three, or if that's just like a brand new composition that's beyond that you are just wanting very badly as I've seen. Oh yeah, I got it. Don't worry. Oh, you did get it. Excellent. I wonder if it's on there. If it is on there, uh, let us know. Cause it, yeah. Yeah. I will I'll have to listen through again and, uh, we're good. check on that. Um, well you can expect, uh, speaking of upcoming RPG news, I am going to the final fantasy 14 fan festival in Las Ooh. Vegas, uh, middle of November. I'm going um, on behalf of CGM, but I will definitely take pictures and, and try to like report something on the RPG fan side of things. So if you're a Final Fantasy XIV fan, um, I'm sure there's going to be a big announcement to look forward to, probably the new expansion. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Look forward to that. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, uh, and hopefully there's something fun to ride and get a photo op on. Oh, yeah, like another... Well, we did Fat Chocobo, right? So yep. Behemoth? Yeah. Or Chocobo Dungeon Chocobo. Oh my god, I have a new obsession. I found a weakness. I'm not sorry. I'm gonna go find I'm gonna go make a, a Twitter bot that has a Chocobo Chocobo. Is Chocobo's Dungeon Chocobo in Smash yet? No? Okay. Ooh, or the Prince from Takamari. Wouldn't that be cute? <gasps> yeah. I love that. Yes. He would also just be a great assist trophy where he just comes in and rolls over shit. Exactly. I don't, 
could be an amiibo. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh. I love the prints. Well, Katamari Reroll is coming out next month, so that opens mm. up another door. True. Okay, well, I'm going to call it here, guys. Um, so if you <laughs> have questions, comments, or spare potions, you can send us an email at podcast at rpgfan.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at rpgfancom and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash rpgfancom. Please subscribe to us on iTunes or through their RSS feed and uh, give us your feedback. Leave us an iTunes review. It is always very much appreciated. And uh, if you send an email to us, I will happily engage you and or mention it on the show if possible. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, For me, Greg, Alana, and Robert Fenner, we appreciate you tuning in, and we'll see you all later.